John chapter 6, I do appreciate the youth tonight, wonderful, every part of it, Jay and all the youth with their little testimonies there, and Emma for singing, wonderful, appreciate the young men taking up offering. John chapter 6, we're going to go to prayer, but I want to look at verses 37 through 40, but just if you're able, pray along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you this evening thanking you for this time together to join in worship and praise and admiration for what you've done uh, on Calvary, what you've done tonight. Thankful so much for the youth and how we know it sometimes gets uh, its nervous. Father, it gets scary sometimes to step out and to step up, but Father, we see the reward is surely there. Father, we know you're pleased when we step out in faith, uh, especially when it hurts, especially when it's not easy. Father, we know that uh, that's really, really, really where the rubber meets the road. But, Father, we thank you for the youth, for their heart. Uh, and surely, as Joanne said, there's so much to be, we can be learned, that can be learned from a faith of, of a young woman, young man. Father, we thank you so much for what you're yet to do, even in this service. I believe that uh, you're going to stir hearts. I believe you'll... Bring people to an altar that need to come to an altar. Father, I believe that you can save a soul tonight that uh, is closest to hell. Father, help us tonight to preach as you would have us to preach, to have a heart as you would have us to have a heart, that we may uh, know your will for our lives a little bit better tonight. But we love you, we thank you, in your son's name we pray, and amen. Verse 37, John chapter 6, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of you which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Let me read that again. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And I want to preach tonight, we're going to be in the book of Genesis, the 37th chapter, but I want to preach tonight on God's plan for our life. You understand, and this is to the youth, but this is to everybody, that I believe without a shadow of a doubt, God has an ordained plan and a fulfilled plan through His Son, Jesus Christ. But let me say this, the plan is not for God, the plan is for us. It involves us. Had it not been for us, Jesus would not have had a necessity to step out of eternity, to step out of glory, to step foot on this earth, but simply because of us and because of that ordained and fulfilled will of the Father that we can see eternal life, that we can have a plan to be, as Delbert said this morning, uh, to be justified in Him. But this is the key to understand of John 6, 6, what he says in verse 39, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing. But then look, because he's making a point, everyone that seeth 
the Son. That's key. That's the first thing. We have to have eyes to see what Christ is trying to do in our life. That He is coming to seek out. That He's coming to find us where we're at. And the fact of the matter is, where we're at is not where we need to be before we're saved. But He comes to seek us out because God hath given us uh, uh, us to Him. And that everyone that would see at the Son, that then they would believeth on Him and then achieve the ultimate goal for God's plan in our life, everlasting life. God's plan for everybody is, uh, anybody is not for them to see Jesus Christ in their life and then to reject or to hate Him, but to accept Him and this invitation to come, this invitation to accept His love. Second Timothy 4 and 8 says this, Paul says to Timothy, Henceforth there is laid up a crown of, for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day, and not to me only, but look, but unto all them also that love His appearing. This is the thing. So many people do not love His appearing. Because to love His appearing, we have to realize what He's come to do. He's come to seek and save that which is lost. He's come to find us to where we're at. This is the 91 and the 1, you know, to seek out that lost sheep where we're at, stuck in the thicket, lost and, and wandering away, and to bring us back to where we were. When I was high school, I'm going to be candid with you. I put this, I said, Lord, I'm just going to say it. But uh, junior year of high school, it was prom, and I had told my parents... My father traveled a lot when I was younger, so I told my mother, and I could get by with a lot more with my mother. I said, I'm going to stay the night with a friend's ha- at a friend's house. And you know, one of those half-truths, I was staying at a friend's house. Just wasn't the friend that I told her I was staying with. Fact of the matter is, she asked, she said, well, I want a phone number. I want an address. That way, if I need to find you, I want you home in the morning at a certain time. I said, that's fine. Sure enough, I had lied and did not do as I told my mother I was going to do. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I wake up to the sound of one of my friends saying, Brad, is that your mother pulling up in the driveway? Let's just say this. I did not love her appearing. (laughs) Why? Because she was hateful? Because she was mean? No. Because I was not where I needed to be. And she knew it. And out of her love for me... And her concern for my safety, she sought me out. She literally, once again, I did not tell her where I was going to be. And besides that witchcraft called motherhood, I had no idea how she found out. I'll be easy. (laughs) I didn't know how she found me, but she did find me. And I learned a lesson that day that I should be where my mother thinks I am she I should understand that that when I tell her something what she has a plan to keep me safe and I'm so thankful but we have to understand that if we're lost in sin we've lost our direction in life we've strayed from where we're supposed to be and when we strayed from where the Lord has intended us to be I'm telling you we serve a God that will pursue you he will come to find you and seek you out And I'm so thankful that he's not willing to lose none. He says in John 6, uh, the will is that I would lose none that he would give me. I'm thankful for that. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 
I still get goosebumps. Is that your mom pulling? I'm not kidding. I said it and still got goosebumps. Still never living that down. (laughs) Genesis chapter 37. Look at the first of the chapter. Starting at verse 3. Now we know the story uh, of, of Israel and his sons and how he loved Joseph more than all of his other children. Because as it says in verse 3, that Joseph was the son of Israel's, or Isaac's, uh, latter uh, old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And uh, when his brethren saw that his father, their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaf stood round about and made obedience to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto them, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And look, and they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Let me say this real quick. You have to understand, yes, this was a dream, but this wasn't a dream that you have sometimes when you eat too much hot sauce or too many tacos and you wake up the next morning and say, I should have never ate that last night. I had the craziest dreams. This was a vision from God. But this is the thing. This vision wasn't just about Joseph. This vision was about his family. This vision that God gave Joseph about the future was ultimately to save his family. It was a proclamation from God for the future of Joseph, but not just for Joseph, but his father and his mother and all his kindred, all his brothers, and how through Joseph they might be saved. And let me tell you, folks, every word of this book is a vision of Jesus Christ, but not just for Jesus Christ. Christ for his family that through this word through Jesus Christ we might be saved but yet we see in the same condition because of our sinful deceitful heart we hate this we hate this word just as the brethren hated Joseph but let's read on and he dreamed yet another dream and he told it to his brethren and said behold I have dreamed a dream more and behold the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obedience to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? But look at this once again. Let me say this. The father bows to the son. Now we know God is three in one. God the father, God the son, God the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you this? There is some scriptural truth that we see in this. There is a world out there that says, well, I believe in God, I have a relationship with God, but I don't like much about Jesus Christ. As Delbert said so beautifully this morning, without Jesus Christ, there is no way to God. There is no way to God without Jesus Christ. We see this dream that even the Father bowed to the Son. In Matthew 28 and 18, it says this, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And in 1 John 2 and 23, it says this, Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. Whoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. 
See, there's some scriptural truths that we see a parallel in Genesis here. That this dream, this vision was of Joseph being lifted up. Once again, Christ being lifted up, he will draw all men unto them. But look at this in verse 11. And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. And his brethren went to feed their flock, father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy, look at this with me. And Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? He's asking a question that I believe he already knew the answer to. This is the thing about a God that we serve, that we think we can run, we think we can hide, but this is a God that knows all things and pursues and is looking for that good report of your life, making good godly decisions that you need to be exactly where he wants you to be. And he asked this to Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock and check them? Come and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, here am I. I believe the father already knew that his children had strayed from where he had sent them. And ultimately the purpose of why he sent them, you know, as if he, if they thought they could get away with it. Remember Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter three, after they partake of the fruit and, and they had sinned and, and once again their eyes were open and they were naked. And it says in verse eight of chapter three, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Were they excited for that voice? Not this time. They were at the beginning. It says they walked and talked with them in the garden. But this time because of their disobedience. This time because they have strayed from where they were supposed to be. But I'm so thankful once once again, I've got a God of John 6 that says he is not willing to lose any of them. You know? And he says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden to cool the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art Thou, as if God didn't know. And just as Israel said to Joseph, are not my sons in Shechem feeding the flock as I, he already knew. He said, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to send you there and to see really where they are. So the father sent his son to seek out the brethren who obviously we see in the verses to come. And I'm thankful that I have a father in heaven that sent his son out of eternity, out of glory, to come and find me where I was. Because where I couldn't get to where he was, he came to me. As Joe sings that I've heard, so, you know, he came to where I am. Look at verse 14. And he said unto him, go, I pray thee, look, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks. And bring me word again. So he sent out of the vale of Hebron. And he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him. And behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence. For I heard them say, let us go to Dolphin. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dolphin. And look, once again, we're looking at ones that would be happy to see the appearing of God 
I want to see this as an illustration of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, that's the problem why people don't come to church. That's the problem why people don't read the word. That's the problem why people don't pray like they ought to. Because they think if they don't pray, they don't read, they don't come to church, they won't be found out. But I'm telling you, he's coming for you. He's seeking you out. They weren't where they needed to be in Shechem. They had went to Dolphin. He went to Dolphin to see them. Were they happy when they saw him come? No, it says in verse 19. I mean, verse 18. And when they saw him afar off. When they saw him afar off. Even before he came near unto them. They conspired against him to slay him. You see, Joseph was seeking the brethren simply because it was the will of the father. This is the will of our Father in heaven, that he would send his Son to fulfill that will, to save and seek that which is lost, as we just said. This is the will of my Father that sent me. I'm not doing my own will, but this is why. But Joseph was just doing his Father's will, to hopefully to bring back a good report. But there was no good report to give. They weren't where they needed to be. And in verse 19, they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. If only they once again, through their pride and self-righteousness, could have saw that in the future, this same Joseph, which they conspired to slay, this same Joseph, which was a nuisance and a dreamer, this same Joseph that is coming us out just so they can, he can rat us out back to our father, this same Joseph one day was going to be the key to saving their lives. I know we hate conviction. I know when we hate when God sees us where really where we're at, but that's not the point. Not He's not a judge that he's waiting to have a gavel. That's coming. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But right now, he's one of our, he's, he's a friend that sticketh closer to a brother than a brother. He's seeking us out that where we're at, he'd say, listen, this is not where the father sent you. This is not where you need to be. My father sent me to check on you, to check on the flock and to bring back a good report. And they conspired to kill him, to slay him. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of the hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that it is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of our, their hands to deliver him to the, his father again. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren and they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into the pit uh, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked and behold, a company of uh, Ishmaelites came from uh, Gilead and with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, what profit, look at this, what profit, what can we get out of this, right? If we reject, if we do this to our brother, what can we get out of it? Fo- folks, there is a world out there that is, de- de- uh, that is betraying and denouncing the name of Jesus Christ for the riches of this world. But what does it say? What can a man in exchange give for his soul? Nothing. 
What does it profit a man? This is what they say. Oh, wait a minute. Let's not kill him. What can we do in despite? What can we, what can we gain from this? What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let, us, let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Out of the will of God, not where they needed to be. And let me say this. Do you see what disobedience turns into? Would any of this happen if they would have stayed in Shechem, feeding the flock as the father first intended? But because of their strain, because of their disobedience, we see a conspiracy. We see lying. We see an exchange. We see ultimately an exchange of the future of their soul. But hatred, lying, bitterness... This is what happens when deceit happens. This is what happens when we begin to go down that road from black to white, which becomes gray. When we start to lie a little bit, you know, they always say about the one truth about a lie is you can never lie just once. You'll have to cover up that lie and then cover up that lie. And next thing you know, you don't even remember what the truth was or what you were initially lying about to begin with. It never happens when you're obedient. Never happens when there's a truth. Would any of this happen if they had not strayed from the Father's plan? Remember that old phrase? Well, they went to the well once too often. You ever heard that old quote? Went to the well once too often. I want you to look at verse 29. So they could spy. Now, Reuben was the one brother that said, hey, let's not kill him. We don't want to have this blood on our hands. Let's just rough him up, throw him in a pit. And sure enough, he'll end up back to his father. As if sometimes we kind of, don't we kind of justify? We say, well, I could have done a lot worse, right? We all said, I could have done a lot worse. I could have been a, I could have been a lot worse kid. At least I'm not like that guy growing up. Or, hey, at least I'm not like that girl growing up. Or, man, when I, I could have been a lot, you could have been a lot better. <laughs> you could have stayed away from it all. But this is what Reuben kind of justified it. Well, if we just beat him up and throw in a pit, hey, and then Judah says we can sell him. Hey, we'll just make out like a bandit on this whole thing. But this is what happens when we're found out. When we truly understand what we do when we're disobedient. And this is the scary place to get to. Because there's going to come a day, just in the story of Genesis 37, where Joseph was just a brother. In fact, these dreams that he dreamed were to benefit his family. They really were. These dreams, and, and I believe maybe he was young and immature, and maybe he did have a bit of ego when he said it to his brothers about how they would bow down to him. But the plan was good, to benefit everyone involved, not just to lift up Joseph. That wasn't the point of the dream. That sure enough, they would bow to him because he would have all the power. Remember the famine came? And they, Joseph had said, let's save for seven years because sure enough, he had gotten another vision. There will be seven years of, of famine, you know. But while we have, let's take and we can divvy this. This is the thing. All that authority, all that storehouse has been given to Jesus Christ. And one day that brother that they threw into that pit would become their judge. That one day that, that brother they threw in the pit would be their only salvation. Their only way that they can continue on. But let me say this. Look at verse 29 of Genesis 37. Because I believe in this case it's the opposite of they went to the well too often. I believe sometimes we don't go to the well enough. We need to know, realize when we're not where we need to be. And what we do 
when we're disobedient to God's plan for our life. But it says in verse 29 that Reuben returned unto the pit. He came back. Maybe he had a second thought. He had a change of heart, a change of mind. And behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And he rent his clothes. Folks, there's coming a day where we wish we had one more second chance. There will come a day when we will regret not being where we needed to be. We will regret being disobedient for God's plan for our life. And I think sometimes we have that notion to to make things right, to to go back and say, hey, I'm sorry, we needed to stop before it gets any worse. Reuben returns back to the pit and there's no one there. And what a fearful and dreadful day comes when the Lord comes back to take his church. And there are in that moment no more second chances. In that moment, the pit is empty. You know, we'll never have a chance again to crucify Jesus. It says in Hebrews, you cannot crucify him afresh. One time, he died for all sin. We have provision that has been made, that we have access to his grace and his forgiveness and his cleansing power. And yet people every day reject the plan. I want to say tonight there's dangers in Dolphin. There's dangers in strain from where you need to be. I know it's so easy to take a step away because it seems like where everyone else is going. seems like it's the easiest thing to go to down this road. It's not going to be the easiest decision to do what God wants you to do. But I'm telling you, it will save you a lot of grief. It will save you a lot of grief. Never in my entire life have I ever heard anybody saying, you know what, I accepted Jesus Christ and he wrecked my life. Never. But I've heard it when they said, hey, I went after that woman or went after that man or I fell into that bottle or fell into that thing there and my life, it destroyed my life. That's what happens when we stray from where we need to be. But can I tell you tonight, just as we said in John 6, I want to read it again. I came down from heaven. This is Jesus speaking. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. If you've strayed tonight, you're not where you need to be. Listen, we have a God that pursues. We have a God that chases And when he comes to find out where you're supposed to be and you're not there, he doesn't turn back around and says, well, eh, no, he goes to where you're at. And listen, tonight there's no hiding. He knows where you're at, and that's okay. But it's not where you need to be. When you see his appearing, be happy. Say, I'm glad you're here. I've lost my way. I've strayed from Shechem, and I feel like I've left where you wanted me to be. And I'm stuck out here in Dolphin. Take me back home. He'll do it. He'll do it. He's a good God. So as we stand and Mike and Sonny get a number, listen, don't know where you're at, but God does. He says, Paul said, he said, not just to me only, but all that are happy at his appearing, are glad for his appearing.